I want to give you a great introduction here, too, to the show. I want to welcome you. We have one of the greatest personalities in all sports, one of the best in New York sports radio of all time. It goes by the name of Joe Beningo. He is the true voice of the New York Jets fan base. He's very much missed in his 25 years at WFAN. He just recently announced he's going to be returning as a guest spot on WFAN. Joe from Saddle River. We have the one and only Joe Beningo. Joe, how are you doing, man? What's up? How you been, bro? You doing all right? I've been doing all right. I noticed that you're enjoying retirement. You have your own podcast now. You have your own platform, yep. Oh, the Pain. Yep. Make sure you go check yep. it out. And a lot of pain, bro. There's a lot of pain. You know, as, as a Jet fan, and you're a young Jet fan, so you haven't had as much pain, obviously, as I have. I've had decades of pain. Uh, yeah, but it, it's a very apropos name. There's no question about that. I think you're in your room of pain now. It's all Jet stuff on the walls. Well, I got it. This is downstairs in my, uh, my, in my place here, and I got a, a lot of stuff. I, I could take you around. To all the different areas I have, I just, I just always do my zoom uh, at my jet wall, if you yeah. will. You have a poster of Sanchez on there. And in my opinion, I think Sanchez could have been our franchise quarterback. Well, that's if- actually Sports Illustrated after they. That's the Sports Illustrated cover after they beat the Chargers in the playoff game in uh, the 2009 season. A game I was at out in San Diego. That was a uh, that was a memorable day, I must say. Mm-hmm. Do you think Sanchez? should have been our franchise quarterback because there were certain games that you saw him where you thought that he well, would take this franchise over, especially against that game in the Houston Texans. When he had that clutch win, there were certain moments he had where you thought he was going to be the franchise quarterback for well, us. Well, here's the bottom line on Sanchez. I mean, Sanchez won more playoff games as jet, uh, jet quarterback than any jet quarterback in history. Yeah. He won four playoff games. Uh, he won four road playoff games. You know, in the 2010 season, he beat, you know, Peyton Manning and, and uh, Tom Brady back to back on the road, you know, before they lost to, to Pittsburgh in a championship game. The, the big issue to me with Sanchez, I, I never felt he was and I'm a big Rex Ryan guy. Believe me, I take Rex Ryan back coaching the Jets now. But I, I never felt Sanchez was uh, coached uh, correctly by the Jets. I, I never did. They they didn't handle him the way he should have been handled, to be very no. honest. And they brought in Tim Tebow, so there were things that were messing with his head. They well, really another mistake, too. Things. Let me just throw this other mistake that was made. Remember when, when Rex put him in that giant uh, preseason game, the Snoopy yeah. ball nonsense? Yeah, and he and got he a shoulder in. Well, he wound up getting hurt. He missed the season, and that's Geno Smith wound up being quarterback that yeah. year. So, you know, who knows what would have happened if Sanchez played that year. You don't know. But I always felt he was never um, never coached correctly, and, and I have a – I have a soft place in my heart for Mark Sanchez. I'll say that. I do too. And then speaking of the USC connection here, we eventually got Sam Darnold. I think we were making the right decision and moving on from him. I never really wanted him to begin with. Just but- think how bad a move it's turned out to be. Yeah. Right? How bad a move it's turned out to be that Mike McCagnan, and what a disaster as a general manager he turned out to be, that Mike oh. McCagnan took Sam Darnold over Josh Allen. Think about that move. Oh. Over Lamar Jackson, <laughs> <laughs> all, all the quarterbacks. Well, Lamar, I'm not a big Lamar Jackson yeah, guy. Yeah, you think he's Josh overrated. Allen, Lamar Jackson is okay. In fact, the kid that, that backed him up in Baltimore this year, Tyler Hundley, was mm-hmm. not bad. He's not a bad well, quarterback. They lost some tough games to Ravens. They had the two games that they lost because Harbaugh went for the two-point conversion at the end of the game uh, against Pittsburgh and then later on against the Packers. So um, I'm, I don't know how good Lamar Jackson is. I'm not sold on Lamar Jackson. Let's put it that way. Josh yeah. Allen is the real deal. 
He is out of Wyoming, but you know, the Jets, they've had brutal draft classes over the years. We can go back brutal. to all the second round draft picks that they've had. Brutal. Jason Morrow. Oh, we can go on and on with them. Just terrible picks. How about, Chris, how about maybe the worst second Christian round pick Hackenberg. Christian Hackenberg. <laughs> yeah, Christian Hackenberg, second round pick as a quarterback, Penn State. This guy couldn't even play. He never played in, a, in an NFL game. He was so, oh. so bad. How did McCagnan draft this guy? If you're going to draft that guy, you draft him in like the seventh round. How the hell did you draft Christian Freaking? That may be the and, – and there's so many bads, not just second round. I mean, how about some of the first round picks? How about Kyle Wilson? You know, how about Calvin Pryor? I mean, how about Vernon Goldsmith? I mean, you know, the yeah. first round picks has, haven't exactly been, uh, oh, my God, these guys are great. You know, let's no. let's be real about it. You know? And now Mekhi Becton's a question. Even Becton, right, exactly. Exactly, 100% right. 100%, Horrible. 100% right about yeah. it. So, um yeah, drafting is – that's one of the reasons this franchise is as bad as it is. It's in the, the, the bad shape it's in. It's because the drafting, you know, certainly over the last 10 years has been terrible. It has been, and it's a shame the fans deserve really, really better. Really, more than that, but the last 10 years itself have been really bad. Oh, terrible. And then you're reading already the rumors of the Jets wanting to deal their 10th pick overall in the draft, and I know you want the center from Iowa. I do. I don't know if he's going to be. I'll tell you, but I'm, there's a possibility the Giants might take him because the yeah. Giants got two picks. You know, they pick five and seven after the Jets pick four. So, um, look, I don't know how that's going to play out. Don't try. You know what? Joe Douglas, these guys, don't be cute. I know we need players. You got four top players that you can get in the top 40 picks. Just take those picks. Yeah. That's four guys right there. Why do you got to play games with that? I mean, I, I just – uh, it, 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 we'll see it. Look, there's a lot of time. Unfortunately, there's a lot of time between now and the draft. There's going to be plenty of stories written. You know how that goes. Yeah. You know, you're going to read this. You're going to read that. They're interested in this guy. Oh, they like that guy. Oh, we don't like that. And then they take somebody that, you know, oh my God, this guy, you know, but so I, I wouldn't get too crazy about that yet. No. And, and a name that I'm coming across in the papers is a trade for Calvin Ridley. With I don't want Calvin. Pick. What do I want Calvin Ridley for? Yeah. He's seen his bet. I don't want to trade nothing for him. Sign Barrios. <laughs> sign Braxton Barry. I'm telling you, you're not going to sign him. No. And he's going to whine because because it's it's typical ineptitude with the Jets. You got a guy right in front of your nose. The freaking guy made all pro, not the Pro Bowl. He made all pro. He's an all-around yeah. guy. He can return kicks. He can return punts. We know what he can do on offense. They didn't even use him enough. He should have been used on the offense earlier in the year. They weren't even using him. They no. started using him on the offense because all these guys got hurt. Corey Davis got hurt. Elijah Moore got hurt. You know, all of that. This guy, you know, pay the guy and let's go and use him correctly. He's a terrific player. He probably could catch 75, 80 passes a year if you use him that way. You know, when he, when he goes and signs with Belichick, that that's what he's going to do. Yeah. Oh, we, we know that Bill Belichick is going to come in here. Just like he's even the, he, or even the Bills with Andre Roberts when we let the. Uh, of course. Around. Absolutely, 100%. Horrible. Yep. It's just typical, typical This is Jets. why this franchise is a disaster. Yeah. And and, and now yep. we have the extra game every season now. It's just an extra loss for the Jets every year, 4 and, and, and this year, I guess next year they go out to Seattle, my favorite city. They go out oh. to Seattle and play the Seahawks. Oh. That's a loss. Even though yeah. the Seahawks aren't great, that's a loss. Yeah. <laughs> Put it down for a loss right now. Uh, I, you can guarantee <laughs> it like name it for sure. Yeah, there you go. Horrible. Horrible. I you know. I hope things get better here. It's all about the ownership here. It starts from there. Just the brutal owners we've had from yeah. the years, and you've spoken about it plenty of times. Leon Hess, and now the Leon Johnson Hess brothers. Leon Hess and Woody Johnson, man. You couldn't do worse. 
no. two of the worst on. You know, Leon was a great man. I understand. You know, look, he uh, he would uh, he'd negotiate uh, you know oil deals with the uh, with the uh, sheiks in uh, in Saudi Arabia. You know, I get that. I mean, there was a lot of that kind of stuff going on. That's you know, you got to be something to do stuff like that. But as far as a, a football owner, uh, he was terrible. You know, he was he was absolutely brutal. And it wasn't until late in his life that he realized, hey, you know, I'd like to get to a Super Bowl again. And he hired Bill Parcells, but it was too late. You know, Parcells couldn't get him there. It was too it was too late for Leon. You know, fortunately, unfortunately, he passed away. Woody bought the team. And really, when you look at it with Woody, the the great best years of Jet football, really, if you look at the history of the franchise from 1997 through 2010. That's really when they had their most consistent time of winning. Not 97 through 2010. They went to the playoffs a bunch of times, six or seven times, whatever it was. They went to the two AFC championship game. You know, uh, you know, Bill, they went to the AFC title game in 98 under Bill. They went to the playoffs three times under Herman Edwards. You know, the, the two, uh, they went to the playoffs once under Mangini. They had the two uh, AFC title games with Rex. That's really... Uh, the you you as a I don't, I don't know how old you are you're a young dude I got 22 22 oh yeah. my god so what's your first year with the with the Jets Max my first year with the Jets I would say was the the Pennington years around like 2005 2006 I believe that's when wow. I that's so where you, I go you back didn't even, so you even you didn't even see the early days of Herman Edwards you didn't even no see no so you mostly remember the, the Rex years that's yeah. really what you remember that, yeah in the far year the one year with Favre when they blew it, you know, they were eight and three and they blew it because Favre, Favre got hurt, but he, it was more important for him to keep that streak going yeah. than to help the football. Well, he didn't want to be with the Jets anyway. He wanted to be with Minnesota. And of course he wound up going there anyway. Exactly. So, yeah. You know. And how about the year that we had, I believe seven pro bowlers and we did, we still didn't make the playoffs. Which year was that? Was that the year I, with, uh, with bowls? I think it was, I think it was the year. I think it was the Favre year. Oh, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. You know what? Maybe you're right. Right. Yeah, we were nine and seven. We were eight and three. We destroyed the Titans. I think the Titans were undefeated yeah. going into that game, right? They were like 10 and 0 yeah. or something. We went into Tennessee, beat them up. I'll never forget Leon Washington. What a terrific play he was for the Jets, though. He got he tore his knee up. Leon Washington had a huge game, I remember that day for them. Tremendous day. Um, yeah, Far played. They were rolling. And then they played the Broncos. The they were eight and three. Looked like they were on their way, certainly to the playoffs. They played the Broncos the next week at home in a rainy day at at uh, um, uh, what was it? I guess oh yeah, it was at MetLife at that point. That was the first year actually at MetLife. No, no, they were still in the old Met. Oh wait, yeah, so they were still in the old Giant Stadium. Rainy day at the old Giant Stadium, and I think Favre might have got hurt in that game. And then. You know, they basically wound up losing, uh, what was it, four of their last five games. Yeah. Didn't make the playoffs. And remember the one game they won. Remember the game they won? They beat Buffalo. That's right. At home, in, in, where they were losing. And I think it was Dick Geron was the coach. He made some dumb decision for the Bills. What he called the Bills wound up fumbling. And uh, Sean Ellis recovered it and ran it in for a touchdown. And they won that game. And that was the only game they won after that Tennessee game. Remember, they lost to the, to the Dolphins, to Pennington. That's the right. Last game of the year. Pennington got his revenge from Miami. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I do remember that. Great Just... memories. Such great memories. Yeah. <laughs> and you got, and you're young, and you got a long way to go to have to, you know, to have more pain. Oh, well, yeah, oh yeah. I'm sure I will have plenty of it. I, I think. Now, the what worst... is this on? I don't. I don't. What is, what is that? Oh, the hustle. 
Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you do a lot of hustling? Is that what you do? Yeah, that's my that, that's one of the words I live by and just to keep going with my shows and what I've done in college. That's Now what do you know? Now you went to St. John's you said, right? Yeah, yep. I see. You didn't see you didn't see Chris Mullen and Walter Berry play, I'm assuming, right? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Shimori Ponds I saw play. Right, 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 right. Yeah, he didn't really play. They're not too bad. They're no. Not too bad. What, no. they got back-to-back games with Seton Hall coming up this week? That's right, they're yes. They're playing like uh, t- consecutive days, right? Yes. Or within three days or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting couple games for them. Yeah. Who'd they just beat? Georgetown? They just Georgetown, beat yeah. Yeah. Ewing wasn't there. Louis Orr was coaching. Yeah. No. Unbelievable. No. <laughs> so what do you do? What do you do? You're out of this school is me. now, right? Yeah, this is me, but I built my own independent platform, and it's on Live 365 and iHeartRadio. You know, you asked me to do this, and you, you – had a, a lot of different guys. I, I was I was impressed at some of the people you had on, right? Yeah. Give me give me the list. I even had Iron Staten Island on. Right? Yeah. Did you have Iron? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. He's a regular on the show. He calls in every once in a so often. We actually do. Oh, a does he? Oh, I, I gotta I gotta talk. I, I talk to Ira a lot. I'm gonna have to talk to him. And say what the hell's going on? You and Max are tight. What's going on? <laughs> I was actually going to ask you, when was the first time that you met Ira? Was that at a game or was it when he called into the station when you started? Yeah, no, I, well, I, it probably was as a caller, you, yeah. know, when, uh, you know, when I was on, you know, who knows, probably my overnight, probably going back to the overnight days, way back when, before you were born, pretty much, you know, close. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, that's probably when I did, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Some, some, somewhere in the late 90s, somewhere in that period of time. <laughs> a true Jets fan, I know. He's a loyal fan that deserves to see another win, such as yourself. You've been in it for the long ride. Oh, the pain. Well, I read, well, I read basically up until uh, you know the last couple of years. Last year there was no fans, and this year too. Uh, you know, he used to go. To, he would go to every game, home and away. And he's uh, cut that back. He didn't do. He went to a few away games this year, but not like the old days. No, no, especially with some weather conditions, especially everything that's going on with the. And why the hell would you want to be in Buffalo for that disaster to close the season out? You want to be there for that? Is there no? As they're celebrating the division title two weeks ago? No, no, in no way. And I actually saw a picture online of Ryan Fitzpatrick dancing around with the Bills. I saw that with his shirt off, right? Unbelievable. In, in did, he, did he blow that game in 2015? Is he really? Oh, my God. Fan? Maybe he oh. did. Maybe he threw him a bone. Oh, that was one of that the worst game, losses. I put, that game, I put that game on the coach. Todd Bowles. First of all, that team, that team should have been 13-3 and three that year. That team was good. Fitzpatrick had a great year. We had a tremendous – Eric Decker and Brandon Marshall were unbelievable that year. Chris we Ivory. Pretty, yep, yep. Chris Ivory, right. Exactly. We had, we had a good team. They went ten and six. They should have went thirteen and three. The they games that they blew. They lost that game to the Eagles. Terrible. Brandon Marshall was flipping the ball to the other team. They lost the, the two games. They lost to Buffalo were brutal to Rex, of course. Um, but I blame I blame uh, I blame Bowles. You know, a couple things in that game. First of all, Darrell Revis got completely eaten up. I believe it was. I think it was Sammy, By Sammy Watkins. Watkins. Right, completely ate him up in that game. And he never made an adjustment. No. He never went – he never double-teamed. You know, at that point in his career, Revis was a freaking statue at that point. You know, he was nowhere near the same guy. Um, you know, and he got too crazy. They, 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 they had – the go-ahead field goal was in the bag, and they got a little crazy taking a shot in the end zone with Fitzpatrick when maybe they should have played it a little more conservative. And, uh, you know, he throws the pick, and that pretty much sealed the fate. Yeah. That was a brutal loss, yes. It was. That was probably my worst as a Jets fan. Well, yeah, for you, I would say probably it must be. Yep, yeah, that's a pretty bad one. Yeah, that and that's one... really the last meaningful game they played. Let's be honest. That's the last meaningful game they played beyond September. 
know? <laughs> <laughs> Our season always ends in September. It's always that's what I mean. So it's been, you know, that's and that's that's what uh, six years ago. I mean, we're, we're tw- tw- well, really, this is the 2021 season. So that's yeah, six years ago, 2015. We had to go Seems through like the McGowan, year, McCowan years, all, all those years. Bryce Seems Petty. like only yesterday, bro. Ugh. Zach Wilson, I think he he's a our answer. I think he really is. I saw some. I, so. I, I, I think so. I I saw some plays at the end of the season where right, I thought I think that, he's got something. You know what, bro? I think he's got something. I think he's got to be coached correctly. I think it comes down to that. Robert you Sala. Know, Mac, Mac Jones. There's nothing great about Mac Jones. But, and he got exposed late in the year with New England, but he's got the best coaching staff in the history of mankind coaching him, Bill you know. Belichick. And and that, and that, and that makes a that makes a hell of a big difference. And I don't know about these guys. I, mean, I don't know about Robert Sal. I got my concerns. You know, he got a free pass this year from the media, not from me, but he got a free pass from the media. You know, they went four and thirteen. There's a lot of things that you know. I know they play, were playing for him. The positive to me is that they they really played for him, especially late in the year. There were some games when the defense just got hammered. That game again, the game they gave up 54 to the Patriots. The game again, that night game when when the Colts basically stomped all over them. Oh, Jonathan uh, Taylor, the running game that they right, had. Right, right, The Buffalo game, the second half of the first Buffalo game when they got destroyed, the defense couldn't stop anything. And they blamed Mike White for that game. Please, what a joke. That's another thing. Don't get me going on the whole Mike White thing. How they buried Mike White. God forbid Mike White might be better. Then then uh, Zach Wilson can't have that happen. No. But anyway, I I I do I do like Zach. Uh, I'm concerned about Salah. I am, and I got to see Douglas. You know, the first draft, Douglas's first draft looks looks brutal right now. It does. You know, Mackay Beckton, he can't play. He doesn't play. Mims. The other guy, Mims is a complete disaster. They should just get rid of him. Ashton Davis was the third pick. I mean, is he any good? No. He at least he plays. He's on the field playing. The only decent guy they got out of that draft was Bryce Hall. And that was like they got they were lucky because he had been hurt at Virginia and they got him in the sixth round. So yeah. now you have a whole slew of picks in this year's draft with Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, Brandon Eccles. Yeah, this, this year's draft looks good. Uh, yeah. Zach, especially if Zach turns out to be the real deal. Remember, forget Vera Tucker, Elijah Vera Tucker. He's a solid guy on the offensive line. That was the first round pick. They, he's good. Elijah Moore looks really good, but it would be nice if he plays. I mean, he missed the last five games of the year. You know, I'm getting sick of that stuff. These guys got to play football. You know, Michael Carter looks good. Both Michael Carters, the running back and the defensive back. So this draft, this draft actually looks like pretty good, especially, obviously, if the quarterback turns out to be the real deal, then it's, then it's a great draft. There were some hiccups in the beginning of the year with Zach Wilson with the interceptions he was throwing, and then that back interception against the Houston Texans that just reminded me of something of the butt fumble. I couldn't believe and that. And, were... winning, and they actually wound up winning that game. Yeah, they did, which was surprising. You know, look, I've never been a big proponent of rookies playing right away. I mean, I, I'm not. I mean, I, I'm an old school guy. I go way back. Um, you know, when I was growing up, it, it, the the uh, the uh, story was the storyline was it takes four years to develop a quarterback, and that's basically these guys would sit for three or four you know really for three three solid years before they played. Very few guys came right in in their rookie year. In fact, nobody did. The only guy, the first guy ever to really do it was Marino back in '83, and he didn't start right away. He 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 came in probably met the fourth or fifth game of the year. Uh, he made a debut his debut on a Monday night game against the Raiders in '83. And right away, you could see this guy look good. I loved him in college at Pitt, by the way. I wanted the Jets to take him. I don't want to get into that. <laughs> what a disaster that was going back, you know, 50 years, 40-something years, taking O'Brien instead of Marino. Mm-hmm. 
play. He's he was the one guy that like his rookie year came in and was unbelievable. Most mostly everybody struggles in their rookie year. John Elway struggled in his rookie Troy year. Peyton Manning struggled in his rookie year. You know, Brady really didn't play. Brady kind of sat for a year, you know, watching Bledsoe before he finally took over. So he was kind of ready to go when he when he came in there. Aaron Rodgers sat for how many years behind Favre? And look how good he came in and ready to go. Boom, let's play. Mahomes so behind I'm Alex never, Smith. Right, right. So I'm, it took Alex Smith a little while to get – he got better as, as time went on. But, you know, I, 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 the Jets would have been better off if they had had Flacco from the beginning of the year – and started the year, let Flacco play three or four or five games, and then have uh, have Zach come in. I, I would have been better off with that, but, you know, he was definitely better after he came back from the injury. So I think the time off, uh, the time not playing those few weeks, I think, helped him. Do you think Salah's two years and done, just like Gaze, if he doesn't put up the numbers next year, especially with the wins? Because I think, to me, if he doesn't show any progress, especially after this well, see, year, draft class. Here's what I'm worried about. See, see, I'm worried about this already. That they're going to try, they're going to go seven and ten next year and try to sell us. Well, we made progress. We're going in the right direction. We're still a young team. Zach's only in his second year. I'm sure there'll be a bunch of injuries, as there always is. They had injury, you know, and and he'll get another year. That I, I'm afraid of that. But as far as I'm concerned, I want a winning season. I've had it, man. It's time to have a winning season. I agree. I mean, enough. I mean, they've won six games in the last two years. It's unbelievable. You know, they, they lost four, uh, They lost uh, 13 games this year. They lost 14 games last year. They haven't had a winning season since 2015. I mean, it's a joke. They haven't made the playoffs since the 2010 season. It's the longest drought in the NFL right now. I mean, it's it's absurd, man. It's they haven't horrible. Won a Super, they haven't been to a Super Bowl in 53 freaking years. No. I'm tired <laughs> of it. No, really. I mean, it's... It's ridiculous. It is. It's time for it's time for winning football. Mm -hmm. And no more from the Johnson brothers when they say there will be no playoff mandate. That got me going every time I heard that in press conference. You know, I'm so tired. You know, I'm tired of it. You know, we get mask mandates, but no playoff mandates from our (laughs) owner. Uh, You know, I I I just uh, ridiculous. The the time is now. Look to me, they got to have a winning season next year. Nine and eight minimum. Even if they don't make the playoffs, I'll be ticked off. I'm sure. But give me a winning season. Give me a re- don't give me six and eleven, and then tell me we're well. We got better. You know I don't want to hear it. I'm tired of hearing it. Bro. Oh, I am too. And in the stadium thing has been an issue for me. You were actually at the last game at Shea for the New York Jets when the fans took the goalpost. I was, I was at the. I was, matter of fact, I was at the last game. I was at the last game at Shea in 1983, and I was at the last game at the old Giant Stadium in 2009 on a freezing cold night when they destroyed the Bengals to get into the playoffs. I think they beat them 42-3 to three or something that night. And then, remember, they beat the Bengals again the following week in the playoffs. So I was at the, the final game in both places. Yeah, I was there in 83. They lost to the Steelers. It was also Terry Bradshaw's Terry last game. Fi- final game of his career. Yeah. Comes in, started the game, threw two touchdown passes early. They were up 14 nothing. Bradshaw didn't play the rest of the game, and, and the Jets lost. Yes, Michael Harris's last game as a Steeler, too. He'd play on Seattle yep. the next year. Yep. Well, I don't even count that. Yeah. <laughs> Franco's, Franco's a Steeler. That's the bottom. That's the case closed. You know? Oh, I, I agree. But just so many. You know, I was also at the first game in, in when they played at the Meadowlands, too. They, and they, they played Pittsburgh in that game, too. And it was a Thursday night. It was one of those Thursday night games. They had them even back then a few times. And uh, they lost that game, too, so. Not I remember surprise. Joe Joe Townsell had a kick return for a touchdown. 
Rest in peace to Don Maynard. He was your guy growing up. He my, had the receiving records. And... I should have wore the jersey tonight. I should have wore <laughs> I didn't know you were going to be wearing your Gastonel jersey. I would have I would have put Don Maynard on for you, you know? And, and gave him the honor and respect. Did you have the chance to meet Don Maynard throughout your career in radio? Uh, I did not meet Maynard. I did not. Um, I, think I, did, I think he was at the radio station once before I got there. Uh, I did get a copy of his book. Uh, I met his brother at, uh, at MetLife one day. But uh, no, but uh, you know, look, one of my guys growing up, Joe Willie to uh, to Don Maynard, man. Don Maynard on one side, the great George Sauer on the other. They were pretty good, man. Those were the days. How about Those Joe Namath? Days. When was the first time that you met Namath? Because I know he called into your retirement show. Uh, I met Namath a couple times. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to meet Joe. Uh, I think the first time I met him was up, we were up at Jet Training Camp. The, the year that they did the hard knocks, Remember they were on Hard Knocks that one year? This might be before your time. This is you I've heard about just, it before. You're just a youthful dude. 22, yeah. man. Oh my god. When I was 22, my uh, my my head was firmly planted up my rear end at 22. <laughs> I, mean, I got married for the first time at 22. Not not exactly my smartest decision, but nevertheless, <laughs> that was the first one. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, the old nine. See, we were up there. I guess it was 09. It was 10. It must have been 9 going into 10. So it must have been training camp 2010 season. And uh, we were up there at uh, Cortland Park or wherever it is. Uh, Cortland, New York, where they had it. Now they do it in Florham Park. And um, I met Namath up there for the first time. Yeah. The greatest yeah. of all time for the New York Jets for sure. Yeah. He's my guy. That's my guy, man. Always will be. Yeah. No doubt. Oh, for sure. There's plenty, of, there's plenty of him down here in the basement, I'll tell you. <laughs> is that his signed ball in the background? Uh, the ball in the background here is uh, – this is actually signed. Not only Namath's on there, but this is signed by Namath. Barry Sanders signed this. I got a b- bunch of different guys that signed this ball. I got to look at it. Who else is on there? Freeman McNeil of the Jets is on there. Running back. Curtis Martin is on this. I got a couple, a couple different autograph balls of, you know – all kinds of guys from years gone by. I got one over there with Franco Harris, Michael Irvin, uh, you know, Emmett Smith, Dan Marino, Elway. I've been very fortunate to meet all these guys, Joe Montana, uh, you know, very, very fortunate. Uh, Another my, thing that's, career. that's important is that, and interesting too, is that Bill Belichick has great respect for you. I've heard him speak highly of you in the past. Well, Bill and I haven't spoken in a while. So, uh, yeah, no, Bill uh, – Bill used to listen to me when I was doing the overnights. When he was the assistant coach, when, when Parcells was coaching the Patriots, uh, you know, in, in the uh, mid-90s there, was it 93 to 96, when he was coaching the Patriots, Belichick was, was I think he was actually, I don't think he was his defensive coordinator. I think he was his defensive backs coach, whatever he was. And he used to, they used to actually, he would hit, listen to me going in in the morning, four o'clock in the morning to go, you know, go into the building in Foxborough when you could, you could get me because we were, you know, 10,000 watts, whatever we were, you'd hear me. You, people would listen, get me in Canada. I get calls from Canada when I was doing the overnight. And Belichick would listen to me. I uh, used to listen to the show. And uh, when he got, when, when Parcells took the jet job, word came down to me through uh, people in the media that, that Belichick, who went with Parcells to the Jets, mm-hmm. wanted to meet me. I went out to Hofstra. At the time, they trained at Hofstra. I went out to Hofstra to meet Belichick, and it, it kind of went from there. And in 1998, in that 12-4 season with Vinny Testaverde, yep. you were at the championship game against the Denver Broncos. I was not. No, I was you weren't the, there? I did not go to Denver. I was at the uh, the playoff game against the Jaguars at okay. home. That, against Jacksonville, the divisional round. That was at that game. As a matter of fact, 
uh, Belichick gave me tickets for that game, believe it or not. <laughs> I had gone to dinner about a, the week before the game. I actually went to dinner with Belichick, Mike Tannenbaum, and uh, his per- Bill's personal assistant, Ferris Najarian, who stayed with him through all the years with the Patriots. He's still with him now. I went to the dinner with them. We went to a, uh, what was it? One of the big steakhouses, uh, Peter Luger. Peter Luger Steakhouse in Long Island. I forget where in Long Island. It must have been out near Hofstra. And um, he actually gave me tickets that night for the uh, divisional playoff game against the Jaguars. But I did not go to Denver. I was in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. I was in Pittsburgh in 2010 for the AFC Championship game. I was in Indianapolis in 09 for the AFC Championship game. Uh, I was in San Diego for that playoff game that we won in 09. Uh, I was in uh, Indy for the game. We beat the Colts in 2010. Nick Folk with the field goal at the end, uh, which turned out to be Peyton Manning's final game as a Colt. Uh, I was in Pittsburgh in 04 for the Doug Bryan game when he missed all those field goals and we lost in overtime to the Steelers. That was painful uh, in 04. Um, but I was not in Denver. No, I was not. Okay. At least you didn't have to waste any money in seeing that game, that which is no, a true was, heartbreaker because they, made, they could have made a run that year at the Super Bowl. Well, look, I mean, they, I, look, let's be honest, they would have won. The, they would have beat Atlanta. Yeah. They were better than the Atlanta Falcons. They would have won. But, it, that's um, a painful loss. That was a, there's many. That's one of many. One of many. <laughs> one of many. Uh, uh, main reason I wanted to bring you on the show here today because I feel as though that you have an important story to tell. You've been a true inspiration to a lot of radio hosts, especially in the sports broadcasting industry. So let's start from the beginning in which you grew up in Paramus, New Jersey. How was your life experience of growing up in Paramus? Well, I don't want to get too much into my, my life story here now. Let, let's just put it this way. I've always been a sport. Since I was seven years old, I was into sports. And that's how I, you know, you know, I became a Jet fan in 1965, name its rookie year. I was a Met fan right from the beginning of 1962. Uh, so I've always been a sports guy. Yeah, I graduated from Amos High School in 1971, thousands of years ago. Um, you know, but uh, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. I don't like to get too much into, you know, into growing up and all that. That's uh, that's ancient history now. You know what I mean? <laughs> 1975, your degree, your degree in political science that you graduate with at Franklin right, Which University. I could basically uh, use as a, a toilet paper now. <laughs> <laughs> My political science degree in, from Franklin College in Franklin, Indiana. I had some good times out there, but yeah, it, it did me no good. Believe me, that, believe me when I tell you. When was it that you decided to get into radio? Because in 1994 was when you would win your contest to host a show on, well, on the WFAN. Well, I, had always, I, was a, I was a caller. I called a lot to the station, you know, especially Mike and the Mad Dog. And, you know, in the heyday of Mike and the Mad Dog, the great days uh, of, of FAN back then. And uh, I became a regular caller. And then I guess, you know, I, one thing led to another. You talked about this contest. I never knew that it was. But I remember calling into the station one day. Next thing I know, I'm getting an opportunity to host a show. And uh, one thing kind of went from, you know, to another. I uh, went to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. And, um, you know, one day got a call from, uh, at the time, from Mark Chernoff, the longtime program director. And he asked me if I wanted to come in and do some part-time overnight work. And uh, that was in the summer of 1995. And it kind of went from there. And, uh, you know, I did it for a couple months, July and August. And then... Remember him asking me uh, late in the summer, you know, in the middle of August, would you would you come in and do a full week of the overnight? And I remember taking uh, taking a week off from my job, went in, did it for a week. Next thing you know, he's he was offering me the full time 
overnight gig. So when it kind of went from there. And that's when history started, the Joe Beningo legacy. What were some of the most vital things that you learned during your time at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting that would help you when you got to the WFAN to do your show? Um, I hate to say it like this, but I probably didn't need the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Mm. You know, I was kind of re- I was ready to go, bro. I knew, I, you know, they, you know, doing what doing what I what I did for all those years. It's not something you really learn. You know, you, no. you either either can do it or you can't. I don't think that there's a uh, a manual that tells you, okay, this is what you do. You know, you you either know what you you know you know what you got to do or you don't. So. Uh, you know, either have it or you don't. I would put it that way. Exactly. I heard that your relationship with Mike was strained over the years. You had tensions. What was it about Mike? Because you always hear that the personalities always had con- conflicts with Mike. What was it about Mike that well, hosts look, just couldn't I mean, get along? Let me say this with Mike. Uh, I know Michael. Mike got me in this business. If any, yeah, he did. Probably the most instrumental person in me getting into the into the uh, radio business was Francesa. Yeah. Uh, you know when when we had that. Um, that fan appreciation day. I remember him calling in and basically touting me as somebody that could actually do this. Uh, he was a guy that, you know, really went to bat for me. Uh, I did a little, um, I, I bought some time in, in 95 before I got onto the fan the summer of 95 on a small radio station called WJDM in Elizabeth, New Jersey. That's before and he went back to the fan. This is before I started on the yeah. fan. This is before I even did any part-time stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's how I kind of got to doing it. And uh, I was a big caller to Mike and Mike and the Mad Dog. And I remember calling, talking to Bobby Gelb, who was the producer at the time. He's now a, a great salesman there, a good friend of mine, great guy, Bobby Gelb. And uh, I asked him, hey, I got this show now. I do once a week on this WJDM in Elizabeth. Can I get Mike and Chris to come on? And uh, he kind of brokered it for me. And uh, I had Chris on one week. I had Mike on the next week. They were great, gracious enough to come on the show. And, uh, you know, next thing I know, after I had Mike on about a week and a half later, I got a phone call from, like I said, Mark Chernoff asking me if I wanted to do some part-time work. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been in radio without Francesca. Let's put it that way. Yeah. He, he was vital in, in helping you no out question. and get you, you know, in, and, in, and, in and you know, we've always, We've always kind of been back and forth. Uh, you know, I, I have no, let me put it this way, bro. I have no ill will towards no. Mike. I have no. no. Yeah. Because I always hear those stories where people had problems with them. And I'm just like, what is it about Mike that everyone just can't get along or there's tension? Well, there was, there, there was something later on in, 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 you know, toward the end of my uh, career, uh, both of our careers really at FAN that happened. And, uh, you know, maybe I'll put it this way that the whole situation maybe wasn't handled the correct way. At least I didn't think it was handled correctly by him or put it that way. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that's what it stems from. But but at this point, you know, that's a long time ago now. That's years ago now, a bunch of years ago now. And um, you know, Mike's the best that ever did it. Mike's the best. Let's be honest. I mean, he's Mike is the godfather of sports talk radio in in the United States. And there's, Mm -hmm. there's no question about it. Sports Pope. He's the Pope. Yeah. And he'll be the first to tell you. So. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> no doubt about that. Uh, I'm not surprised, but you gained your following through the overnight shift. You eventually work your way up to the midday shows, even working with Sid Rosenberg. How was your experience of working with Sid? Uh, Sid was a good guy, man. You know, uh, we had a good show. It's unfortunate that, uh, you know, the uh, situation was what it was with Sid. I'm very happy for him now. Uh, he's doing, uh, you know, he's on in the morning with my, my old buddy, another great from the fan years gone by, Bernard McGurk on uh, WABC in New York. 
doing some p- political stuff. Uh, I've been I've been a guest on on their show a couple times, so uh, I'm glad to see Sid is uh, doing okay. But uh, yeah, yeah, we had some we had some interesting. I'll put it this way: Sid and I had some interesting times together over the years. I'll I'll say that. <laughs> what was your relationship with Don Imus? You know, Don Imus was good to me. You know, I, I, nothing but great things about about him. Um, have fond memories of him. He, he was good. You know, I, that because I would lead in. I was doing the overnight show. And his show came on right after me. So I basically see him every day. And uh, he always had good things to say about me. Uh, I had my book that was out, my, uh, my sports book that uh, wasn't exactly gone. At least in 2010. The, right, got, wasn't exactly gone with the wind. And, you know, Imus had me come on his show at this point. I think he was on MSNBC at this point. Whatever he was, he was off the fan now. And uh, he had me come in promote the, to, to promote the book on his show and all of that. So uh, he was always good to me. I know there's a lot of people that maybe uh, – Don Imus rubbed the wrong way, but he was always good to me. And uh, God bless him, and uh, may he rest in peace. Yes, rest in peace. He was another vital point of WFAN yep. and making it what yep. it was. And saw Iconic. the vision for Mike yeah, and, and look, the Mad one, Dog. One of the, look, but there is no WFAN without Don Imus. Let's no. be honest. That's for sure. You got that right. You kept working your way up. You gained the, gained the huge fan base. And then eventually you partner with Evan. And Evan, and I think you did how many years together? 11 years with Evan? I think we did 11 years, yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. A lot of good times. A lot of great moments with Evan. We had a lot of a lot of fun over the years. I mean, you know, we uh, all the different trips we took, uh, the Super Bowls, the Jet playoff games, uh, different things we, we, you know, we went to over the years. Uh, Met trips. We go on Met road trips. Uh, we had a lot of great moments. No, no question about it. You've had amazing opportunities in this business. I know that you had a baseball with all the Mets signatures on it in which you had everyone that you grew up watching sign it. Doc well, Gooden, not everybody. I mean, I, I can actually show you the ball. I, I oh, wow. it, it was not everybody, but a lot. <laughs> Just a lot of people. On it. Let's see. This is my Met ball. Wow. There it is right here. This is. <laughs> This not everybody's on it. There's a lot of guys on it. Uh, you know, Doc Gooden's on it. David Cohn's on it. David Wright is on it. Jerry Kuzman is on it. Um, you know, uh, Al Leiter is on it. John Franco's on it. Bobby Valentine. There's a lot of different. Cleon Jones is on it. Bud Harrelson is on it. Um, you know, Daryl is on it. Strawberry's on this. There's a lot of different guys that are on it, but not everybody. But I was fortunate enough. You know, any of the autographs that I have, and I got a bunch of different stuff autographed, any of the autographs I have are, you know, right in front of me, the guy signing. So I'm not I'm not somebody that goes and buys autographs. I'm, that's not what I do. I got them, and they're signed right in front of me. I was there with the guy, and uh, I keep them. That's, these are all, you know, part of my life. <laughs> the Mets are our only hope at this there's point. My, there's my Met autograph baseball. <laughs> The Mets are our only hope at this point if we're going through our top three teams. Well, I think the first thing we got to hope for is that they're going to have a season. Uh, Yeah, with the lockout going on. Lockdown, lockout, whatever you want to call it going on. And, uh, you know, you know that these things don't ever get resolved until uh, it's the, you know, the 11th hour when you're going to start losing games, you know. So nothing's going to happen at least until spring training is ready to get, get going. I don't think that, you know, it'll be at least until then. What were some of the most memorable moments of your time at WFAM? Because you did mention just all the people that you met over the years and the trips that you used to take to so the Super Bowl, Mets road trips. What was it for you that were, was most memorable? Uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's hard to say one thing. I mean, I would to say one thing. 
Yeah. Um, it's fine. You, you can know. list a few that comes to mind. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's just hard to, to do. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, uh, a couple of the Jet playoff games, when that game we won, in, I was with Evan in San Diego when we beat the Chargers that year. That was tremendous. You know, I, that, that was great. We had a great time out there. Um, you know, uh, met road trips. We, we, we went out to L.A. and watched them get swept uh, one weekend in L.A. I'll never forget that. We happened to we, – we were in – I'll tell you something that's pretty memorable. We went, we went out to see the Mets. What year was it? Was it 08? I guess it was the 08 season. I want to say we had – was it 08? I guess it had to be 08, right? Mm-hmm. And we went out to Anaheim. We were going to go for a trip. We we're going to go to – we planned – Evan and I planned this trip out to the West Coast. We we're going to go see the Mets play in Anaheim against the Angels. We we're going to go to a couple of game, couple of those games. And we were going to go to game six of the NBA Finals between – actually, it was, excuse me, game five of the NBA Finals between the Celtics and the Lakers. Okay? So we stayed in L.A. It was me. It was Evan and our producer at the time, the great Greg Giannotti, who, of course, now is with Boomer mm-hmm. on uh, the morning show on WFAN. So it was the three of us out there. And uh, we went down to went to two games in Anaheim, went to the game down there. I never forget. Come back. Remember, it's a three hour time difference. We're out in L.A. And uh, we're all staying in the same room, by the way, in, in uh, Beverly Hill. We got to we got to we, gotta, we paid our own way. God, you know, believe me, F.A.N. wasn't paying anything. We paid our own way and we all we, we, we stayed at this fancy hotel in Beverly Hills and we all stayed in the same room. All right. I remember I was sleeping on the floor. Anyway, we're out in Anaheim and, you know, it's like five o'clock in the morning in Anaheim and my my phone is blowing up. My, my, my phone is blowing up. What the hell is going on? Right. They had fired Willie Randolph. That's remember they, oh, you were too young. They fired Willie Randolph like midnight. Oh, mom and I actually flew out to Anaheim to fire him. We had been at that game. So maybe, you know, the game the night before, we couldn't believe that Mets actually won the game, too. And Mike Pelfrey pitched. I'll never forget it. Mets actually won the game. And I, we wake up in the morning to not find out Willie got fired overnight. And uh, that was pretty memorable. And I, I, I think if there was one moment that you want that really kind of stuck out, maybe it was that. Because we were so shocked, you know. Yeah. And we were so shocked that it happened. And, uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. That, but was, that was crazy. Was that the airport story? That was two thousand eight. Was, was that the was that the airport story that you told on WFA? Well, there's another story. That, yeah. Yes, that's the, that, that's the infamous, and I won't get into that. But that was yeah, the no. infamous infamous airport story. Yes, where I was detained a little bit at LAX, and uh, Gio <laughs> was was flipping out, thinking that uh, there might be some trouble. But uh, we, but again. Uh, uh, there was no issue at all. <laughs> I had take I had taken care about I had taken care of what Gio was concerned about long before long before we got to the airport. Let's put it that way. Oh, and, and thank God you did. Oh, <laughs> uh, twenty twenty comes about. You announce your retirement. Was it the commute that made you decide that you just wanted to retire? You know what, at that point? There was so many different things. I mean, I the commute had gotten to me, you know, over the years. I mean, I I, I drove. For the first, you know, up until like 20, I guess it was 2013, you know, I drove. I remember I used to do TV, too. I did SNY. Uh, SNY. I did uh, Daily News Live was the show. I did it for eight years. Mm-hmm. So I would be, you know, and I, I'd go in early. I had a 10, I, my show's 10 o'clock in the morning, but I'd be leaving 530 in the morning to go into the city to beat the traffic. So, you know, uh, then in 2013, I started taking the train. I started commuting with the train and that was a little better, but, 
you know, still you had to, you, you know, you had to catch the train, you missed the train, you know, and all of that kind of stuff. So um, that was a part of it. But the business was changing. You know, the last couple of years, the business just wasn't the same. Uh, and, you know, it was time to go. I mean, there's no other way to say it. Uh, it was time to go. And, and as you see now, I mean, all the, you know, some of the iconic names over the years at the fan are all gone. Now. Everybody's Steve Summers, of, Tony Page, Mike Francesa. Everybody, everybody, everybody. Chernoff, Minko, you know, even Mark Malusis now is, is no longer there. I mean, it's, you know, so, uh, yeah, myself. But it, it was it was time. It was time to go, bro. Mm. And it hasn't been the same since you left, especially for Jet fans. But now we have the opportunity to follow you, in which we do listen to your platform independently, the Oh, The Pain podcast. So what, what was it that you wanted to start your own platform during your retirement? You know, I, I really... I don't want to say it was so much me. Uh, you know, one of my daughters, it was kind of on me. You know, this is something you should do. People had said it. You should do your own podcast. Um, and I thought about it, and I really wasn't into it because I really didn't want to do any work. You know, this this was also in the summer that this was being discussed when I was playing golf every day, you know. <laughs> and that's really all I cared about at that point was my golf game. Um, but it was coming up to the football season. I said, look, if I'm going to do the podcast, I'll do it. You know, I'll do like a Jet podcast, kind of center it around the Jets, and we'll do it starting during the NFL season. And it just kind of took off. Now I'm doing it twice a week. I've had a couple of live podcasts. Hackensack uh, Brewing Company. Hackensack Brewing Company. We just welcomed in a great sponsor, and DraftKings came aboard. Uh, we're really thrilled to have them with us, now that there's legal gambling going on in New York as well. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been pretty cool. It's been pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Every Monday and Friday. Monday night and Friday night. Check out my pod, my Oda Paint podcast. You can get it on Spotify and check it out. Make sure you check it out. Have you thought about having callers call in from uh, well, an, another, do, a number or something? What we're going to do after the football season ends, uh, you know, we got the divisional round this weekend. We got the, the conference championships coming up after that. We're going to start doing guests. I'm going to start lining up. I'm going to do the podcast with with uh, weekly guests on. So that's what I, and there's a lot of different people I've already contacted about coming on so uh, we'll do it like i'm doing it with you zooming in we yeah. do the zoom man and you could see and you could see me and you can see the reason why i did radio all those years and you know even though i did do tv for eight years they put a lot of makeup on me, you know <laughs> who, who, I, we don't I want to really reveal all the guests but who's so, someone that's certain that is going to come i'm not on revealing your... anybody you're not revealing not anyone reveal no <laughs> you'll have to you'll have to check out the podcast to see who's coming on I got, I got, I got somebody in mind though that I think would be, uh, I think would be very. A lot of people would like to hear. So we'll, I'll keep that. Uh, he doesn't know about it yet, but uh, I'm gonna get in contact with him soon about it. So, uh, we'll, but uh, you'll have to listen to the podcast for me to reveal the guests that'll be on. That's great. I'm happy to hear that. I know you have some apparel too. I saw online for your show. Well, my, my daughter, my daughter, my daughter, Erin, who runs this and does an incredible job. I, this doesn't happen without her. And obviously my wife gets me up and going here. You know, I'm basically illiterate with this stuff. So, um, yeah, we got t-shirts. Oda Payne. We got the Oda Payne t-shirts. So if you're interested, uh, 25 bucks a pop. I'm not, I'm not trying to solicit them. But no, no, no. Well, no, this, this is what it's my, for. We want to promote what you have going here. Say, <laughs> this was not my idea. This was my daughter's idea and uh, it's all good. No, but you're doing great things with it. How's it feel to have all the listeners follow you from WFAN all the way to this podcast? No, I appreciate because you're carrying it, you know, it now. Max, it's, it's, you know, I'm surprised because, uh, you know, 
I never think I've never thought of myself as being this, you know, anything but just a, a fan. So uh, having the people that listen to me all the years at the fan that listen to the podcast and maybe even some new listeners and all of that. I mean, we, it's really I'm very fortunate. We want to thank everybody that checks it out. Thank you so much. For sure. Joe, is there anything else you would love to let my audience know anymore? Now that's that it, bro. I've been out with you for almost an hour. I mean, yeah. come on, give me a break. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, we got everything in Jets talk, your career, your podcast. Thank you for everything that you've done for the radio industry. And congratulations on all your success, especially being independent now, because that's big, especially for someone like you to keep going and to take the youth with you. <laughs> I appreciate it, bro. Good luck, Max, in, in all your endeavors. And, uh, you know, if you need me, let me go. We get. When we get into the baseball season, once we start playing and the Mets start playing, we'll uh, uh, you can put on your uh, David Wright gear and uh, you know we'll, we'll go from there. All right, for maybe, sure. Maybe maybe you got a Francisco Lindor jersey. I don't know. No, I, I... <laughs> <laughs> please. Uh, oh, the pain. Oh, hey. uh, I'll have my Degrom jersey on. I'll say that. Right, there you go. There you go. <laughs> all right, bro. Take all care right, Joe. Yourself, Take care. I'll be in touch. And thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it, man. Enjoy the rest of your night and stay safe. You too, bro.